This episode is brought to you by Maui Nui Venison, a mission-based food company bringing the healthiest meat on the planet directly to your door. I have strived over the years to cultivate a deeper connection with the food that fuels myself and my family, balancing nutritional value and ethics that align with our values. This process has led me to harmonize with nature as much as possible. Maui Nui Venison brings this process to fruition. Not only does this company provide the most nutrient-dense meat available, this is the only stress-free, 100% wild-harvested red meat on the market, an operation that is truly one of its kind, actively managing Maui's invasive axis deer populations, helping to restore balance to vulnerable ecosystems and communities in Hawaii. Maui Nui seeks to restore balance, not eradicate or farm these animals. Managing populations means only a limited number of memberships are available. Get yours while you can. Go to MauiNuiVenison.com slash mindful to get 20% off your first order. Before you drift off into one of our meditations or dive into a podcast interview, I would like to share with you one of the new opportunities for our listeners at The Mindful Movement. This is Sarah Raymond, and I'm so excited to announce the expansion of our coaching services to include two of my good friends and excellent coaches, Nikki Dyer and Laura Cannon. Both Nikki and Laura provide their own unique skill sets, allowing us to meet the needs of our growing audience. If you want to learn more, just follow the coaching link in the show notes. As always, we are grateful for your support and look forward to working with you. Hello and welcome to the Mindful Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Les Raymond. Thanks for tuning in for another episode. This episode is a little different. This is a short compilation of some of the mindful tip videos that I did a few years back. I plan on putting these out here and there and trying to compile them where there's a mix of different topics. This one pulls from a mindful tip about gratitude. This came from a really challenging time in my life, especially in regards to my relationship with my wife. And there were some very powerful lessons that I gained from applying the strategies around gratitude that I had learned into my life. The second clip is from a mindful tip I did about loving kindness and how to use the principles of loving kindness to improve not just your mood, but your overall sense of well-being. And finally, the third clip provides a simple breath practice. It's a structured breath practice, which I find is very useful for some folks, especially those that have trouble maintaining focus during a breath practice. It allows you to focus on a very simple task that involves counting. I find it to be a very transformative style of breathing. And what I mean by that is from the time you start the practice to the time you finish, whether you do it for a few minutes or tens of minutes, you're likely to experience a significant transformation in your current state of mind. Your nervous system is likely to experience a significant shift. And if you're willing to commit the time to the practice, I would suspect you will find it has a 100% chance of being effective. I hope you test it out and let me know what you think. And if you enjoy this style of content, a little medley of tips, then let me know and I will consider that going forward when I'm trying to figure out what to publish on this podcast. Thanks again for listening. I'm always grateful. Enjoy these tips and have a great day.
Today's tip is really uh, like a case study, an application. So I want to do some videos where I show you examples of real life scenarios of how where you could be in a place in life that is very challenging. You might be adding a lot of suffering and then using mindfulness practices to really reshape it and find a gift and find the lesson. So I find that the best lessons that we have, the greatest opportunities always come from like the most difficult times. You know, from the wound comes the gift. So this is just going to be an example. And to do this, I'm going to get really personal. Uh, this will be probably the most personal I've gotten on uh, online. So uh, this is me practicing vulnerability. So bear with me. This is not an easy thing for me to share. Never shared anything like this. But, um, you know, I hope it reaches you and I hope it could help and resonates. So when I, I quit drinking, I used to be a regular drinker. So I didn't drink like a lot, but I drank very often, basically daily for about 23 years. And a few years back when I stopped drinking, it was very interesting. Like a lot of things came up and it was a big turning point in, in my journey of growth, personal development. Um, and, I, you know, there was a lot to digest as old suppressed stuff came up and what I recognize one is that sometimes you just don't know why you have a habit until you stop and then you could really self-reflect and say oh wow I used to do this because of this you know I was soothing this or um, you can't really see yourself sometimes when you're in it so when I stopped drinking a lot of things became very apparent to me about my behavior and, and why I was drinking and what was I holding back and so forth and it was also, you know, that process affected everybody else in my life. And in a lot of ways, positively, when I stopped drinking, I became more present with my children, for instance. I became a better listener, uh, more aware of, you know, the words I was saying and how they might sound. So there was a lot of growth that came out of not drinking. Overall, it was a very beneficial thing for me. Um, but, you know, it was interesting. A lot of stuff arose that was very challenging for my relationship. So, you know, my wife, the mother of my children, my lover, my best friend, Sarah, you know, that was not an easy process for her. She was learning new things about me that she didn't know, even though we've been together for a long time. So, she, you know, she had her own suffering through that and had to navigate that herself, which I'm sure is very challenging. And if you know, if anyone knows anybody, if you have anybody with, you know, addiction in your life, like, you know, it's not just hard for the addict. Um, you know, everyone that they relate to will be affected. And so that was very interesting, like going through that process where my old stuff comes up and then as I share it, it affects the other people. And, I, and Sarah was definitely affected by some of the things that arose. And I remember at a time, that was at a time where there was someone in her life that she was really kind of leaning on to, to, to vent and to relate to and to have, you know, a friendship and someone to listen to. 
And it was somebody that I knew also and had, you know, weekly interaction with and somebody that I cared about and, and valued and respected. And I remember when I, when it became aware to me that she was really building relationship with this person to kind of help her through this process. Well, this person was younger than me, stronger than me, had hair. And, uh, you know, the ego just takes over. Jealousy, all the, you know, all the pain and suffering that I, you know, I could create over that of my wife, my lover seeking help elsewhere. And I, you know, I couldn't be the rock for her in that scenario because, because of the nature of the scenario and the nature of the subject matter. And, um, and I remember, you know, initially finding just so much pain and suffering in that and like jealousy of seeing my wife really kind of get closer to another man. And it wasn't like sexual, but it was flirtatious uh, because, um, you know, humans can be flirtatious. It feels good to be flirtatious. And um, there's a lot of healthy things that come with being flir with flirting, you know. So there was a flirtatious component of that friendship. So where I felt right at a time where I wouldn't say that, you know, our relationship was on the rocks, but we were going through turbulence and a growth cycle. Um, you know, she was building a relationship with someone that was a man that was young and vibrant. And man, that was hard to see and hard to feel. And then when I really meditated on it and thought about and revisited my values and what was important to me and how much I cared and loved Sarah, um, and you know, I, I started to come back to the basics. I came back to, you know, gratitude, always coming back to, you know, being grateful. And I, it dawned on me, like, how grateful I was that she had this person in her life at a time when she needed it. And in a moment, everything changed. Like all the pain and suffering and all the jealousy, in a moment, by changing the way I thought about it and shedding the light of gratitude on the experience, changed everything. And I had the utmost love for this man. And thankfulness and gratitude and it was overwhelming to the point where I felt like I had to tell him and that week I did I got him in a quiet room together and I don't know if he thought I wanted to take a swing at him or what at first but I said to him hey you know I know Sarah's been talking to you about you know what's been going through in our relationship and, you know, we've been going through some tough stuff. And I told him, I want you to know how thankful I am that she has you in her life and how grateful I am that you're there for her at this time of need. And it felt so good. He was probably shocked at first and he's a pretty cerebral fellow, pretty woke. So I'm thinking by now he realized that I was doing that for me. Um, because it was so freeing. And it's amazing because I think, you know, the bigger, 
the, the more challenging, the harder the pain is, the harder the suffering, the bigger the problem issue is in our life, the greater the opportunity there is for growth and learning. And, you know, from that point, Sarah and I's relationship has never been stronger. Like, that was definitely one of the many turning points where our relationship became stronger. And, you know, it's stronger now than it ever has been. And it's, it's amazing to me that how fast it could happen. You know, that it's, which is just really a reflection that it's just a choice. Like, the way we look at things, the way we shape things is a choice. And it has a dramatic impact on our lives and the quality of our life. I mean, in a moment, I went from pain and suffering to sheer joy and gratitude and love over the same experience. It was just, which take, which way do I want to look at this experience? And I took something that initially bubbled up as something just so negative and created something so positive. And I still to this day am like so grateful uh, for that person for being there, for being a friend to my best friend when I couldn't be. And you know, this is just an example of when we pause in life, when we pause and reflect and come back to what are our values and what, how do we want to drive the way what do we want to drive our decisions by? What's the guiding light? What are the values? What are the qualities that we want to make our decisions and kind of how do we want to look at the things? How do we want to know ourselves in this world? And then how do we practice that? How do we behave in that way? Thanks for joining me today for another mindful tip. Today's talk is about loving kindness. Uh, love is kind of a big deal, and so is kindness. And we're going to take a, a couple different takes on on how to like approach loving kindness as a practice or as an intention. So, a couple examples here. From a personal practice, you know, I think we've referenced this before. On some level, everything we do is going to be a reflection of how we care about ourselves, what our worth is. So how we treat other people or how we treat our environment, you know, how we feel about ourselves will be reflected in those behaviors. And it's very easy to either lose sight of how we care about ourselves and not pay attention, or to just not feel very good about ourselves. You know, we could be carrying, you name it, shame, guilt, whatever, just regret, and develop like a cumulative feeling of, I don't feel good about myself. I don't like myself. I'm not good enough. I don't love myself. So having like a practice of, you know, connecting with ideas of loving yourself would be really useful. And it's a practice. It's not like, oh, I decided today to love myself, and that's the way it is for now on. Maybe some people could do that. I don't know any of those people. <laughs> I know for me, it's a practice. Um, so some ways to do that. You may have heard of like a meta prayer, 
uh, loving kindness prayer. So as a daily practice or a regular practice, uh, this is usually, I've heard this different ways. So I'll give you a couple examples. I use two, two little kind of loving kindness self practices for myself when I could remember, remember, when I'm feeling, you know, kind of down in the dumps or whatever, if I could see that I'm feeling down and I have the awareness to recognize that, hey, this is not your A-game today. You know, you're feeling a little down. Let's do something to nourish. Let's self-nourish. Um, I'll give you like a short, abridged version and a slightly longer version than I use. So one is, I think this is the first way I really learned it. And I'll substitute either the words, may I or I am. And there's no rules here. So you could try whichever one and, you know, whichever one, you know, works for you, then use that one. Uh, so it goes like this. May I be safe. May I be happy. May I be healthy. May I live with ease. And it's just practicing saying that. So this could be for a minute, five minutes, ten minutes. I don't care. Like, play around with it. Or I'll use the words I am. I am happy. I am safe. I am happy. I am healthy. I live with ease. Uh, the longer one I use sometimes is more of, I don't know, has like a, an angle of healing for me, which I just practice healing. Uh, I dig the idea of healing, and I have practices in my life that you know, just nourish that concept of ongoing healing. I think we're all in constant healing from something, whether it be physical or mental or emotional, or we're just healing from like the day's stress or the yesterday's stress. So with that, I use a few more words, nothing real advanced here. I am safe and secure. I am happy and healthy. I am calm and confident in my abilities to heal. Or I am calm and confident in my abilities to heal my body from dot, 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 fill in the blank. And you repeat it for a few minutes. And you'll feel better, guarantee. If you practice this and it doesn't work, you let us know. We'll help you. But my guess, if you practice, you'll notice something good happen from within. You'll create from within. Remember, we are our own healer. We just have to practice. So that's one take. The idea of using loving kindness as a self-practice to better ourselves from a general well-being perspective, when I say better. If you practice that for five minutes, you will feel generally better than before the five minutes started. I promise you. The second take on this would be more as a tool to change your mood. I think we've all probably experienced at some point in our life that when we give something to somebody, it feels good. It could be a person, it could be a pet. If you give your pet, you give your dog a bone, it feels good, the act of giving. So, if you think of somebody in your life, or maybe even a stranger that you know might be suffering, um, or like a group of people, it could be another country, 
or you know, somebody you want to connect with, or somebody that you've suffered with. Maybe there's someone that you have a peppered past with, like a history of a toxic relationship, a family member, or whatever. And ultimately, you want what's best. You want to go from A to B, and you don't know how to go there, but you know that you're suffering in the knowing that, you know, that it's not healthy, that there's not good communication. Or if you just know someone else is sick and not feeling well and you want to give something to them. Or they're struggling, they're suffering in their own way and or the world is and you want to you want to make an offering. Then you could use this prayer as a tool to help them. One to maybe change the the collective energy of the universe by adding these positive thoughts to it. And, you know, some people would say that you could actually affect that person by sending them prayers. Many people would think that that's true. Some people don't. That's okay. Um, but the practice offer for, also for yourself in the act of giving can have a powerful impact for you, just as when we, when we give somebody a gift. So you could think of somebody in your life, maybe, that you want to connect better with, maybe, and you could or somebody that you know is suffering, and you offer that same prayer. May so-and-so be safe. May they be happy. May they be healthy. Healthy. May they live with ease. May you be safe. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you live with ease. So, with that practice, we improve our internal environment. Your brain will feel different by offering that gift. And you may impact theirs. Okay, the third take would be more of using loving kindness as like an intention, like a way of living, where maybe you're navigating a scenario, an experience in life, and checking in to say, okay, I know I live with intention of being loving and kind. So how can I respond in this experience with that in mind? So maybe there's a stressful experience and bef we could catch ourselves before we, we react maybe unskillfully to it and say, whoa, 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 let me pause here. What's my intention here? Maybe it's a conflict at work with someone. And the instinct is to yep, 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 whatever. Well, they did this, and so-and-so did this, and you did wrong, and I'm right. But maybe we could pause and say, well, ultimately, I know that I want to know myself as someone who lives with an intention of being loving and kind. So how can I, how can I know myself in a way in this experience where I could, I could be that? How could I respond in this experience with this approach of being loving and being kind? And that could have a total change, a huge impact on how you handle that experience. And that can be powerful too. I think I read something similar. Um, hmm, let me try to 
pick this book correctly. I think it was the book Emotional Chaos to Clarity, written by Philip Moffat. Outstanding book. And I think he references like the difference of a goal and intention. And this, this would be really useful in this scenario. For instance, if our goal is to be like loving and kind, well, we're all going to fail at that sometimes. And what we don't want to do is identify ourselves with, you know, whatever that outcome is. So, like, if we, if we did something that, in the moment, that wasn't very loving, it wasn't very kind, we don't want to be like, oh, I'm not loving and kind. I ruined it. I'm not good. I screwed up. As opposed to just having an intention of, in this moment, on this day, I have this intention of living this way. And, yeah, you're going to not express yourself perfectly in that way in every moment. But if we just go at life with this intention of living this way, we can lose some of the conflict of having it as this like goal, that, this destination that I got to get. And if I don't do it, then I've messed up. And now I'm wrong. And I'm not good enough. And there's kind of a fine line there. Maybe I hope you could see that. Um, but this is a great topic to like connect with that idea of, yeah, I want to be known. I want to know myself in the world as someone who is loving and kind. I want to be known as that. So I intend on, on living my, way, my life that way. So as I go through my day, I can connect with that idea of, oh, there's a decision coming up. Hmm. Let me check in and remember that I want to know myself as a loving and kind person. So how do I make this decision based on that, that value, that intention? So there's like three ways that you could use loving kindness to just integrate it into your life, into your being. I'm here with the Mindful Movement. Thanks for joining me today for another mindful tip. Today's tip is on breathing or breath practice. So I work in a gym most of the time and the first thing we do in every session is kind of connect with breath. And we'll have some type of practice and we might use maybe 20 or 30 different type of practices. And in general, because um, most of our lives are a little sympathetic driven where we could always use more relaxation than stimulation. In general, there are exceptions to that. We uh, will tend to focus on breath work where the exhales are longer than the inhales. And that facilitates uh, relaxation. So there's a lot of ways to do that. And some fi people find it challenging. And sometimes in the act of observing the breath, People find it challenging not to kind of take control and hold it and manipulate it. And we want to be able to watch it and, and still be able to relax at the same time. So one of the patterns that we use to make this a little easier is by using a little bit of a structure. And we'll use it, a, it's a ratio, it's a two to one to four ratio. What that means is the inhale is some multiple of two, and then you hold your breath for half that duration, and then you exhale for twice that duration. For example, most people will begin by inhaling for a count of four, and it could be a count of four, whatever a count means to you. It could be four heartbeats, it could be four seconds. But in for four, 
hold for two and then out for eight. And sometimes it takes a few breath cycles just to get used to that. And what happens is as you relax, um, you could add to that. And you add in multiples of two to one to four. For instance, if you find it very easy to get to a count of eight on your exhale, then try inhaling for six, holding for three, and exhaling for 12. And then eight, four, 16, and so forth. And it kind of takes the mind off trying to relax and focusing on more of a simpler task for some people, which is just following the count. And the relaxation just happens. And the longer you spend at it, you'll realize the longer you can get. I've had sessions where I could easily get to an inhale of 20, 10, and an exhale of 40. And I say that's easy. It's not necessarily easy. That's maybe 20 minutes into a practice. Um, but it does happen. And the more you practice, the easier that will come. But it's just a simple way where you could have a task or the conscious mind is on something very simple and it allows the internal environment to really change and, be, and become relaxed through practicing without trying to relax. So it's a very powerful practice. I find that a lot of people that are not used to really setting aside time for breath practice um, that might feel challenged at the idea of relaxing as a beginner, find it as a really useful tool where I could just follow this math let the math be what it is and let it grow very organically and then after a few minutes you just realize you're in a different state your nervous system has um, created some type of shift and i think you'll know what i'm talking about when you practice i would love to hear what you guys think about it so if you do practice let us know give us your feedback and you know, let the community know what it's done for you or if or if there's any variation, if, if the numbers are just not feeling right for you, then uh, you, know, you could tweak those numbers a little bit to whatever feels right. But in my experience, it's a very effective practice for pretty much anybody. The first few tries, it might uh, be challenging, but usually everybody kind of gets in a groove and gets it. But it's, um, it gives you some structure, but it still delivers the benefits we're looking for. And over time, it'll teach you that you, you can relax and you can use the breath as that tool. And this is just a simple way to practice. Uh, I hope you enjoy this. As always, have a tremendous day.